right. All right. Hey, let's give Pastor Mark and that Mexico team one more great big hand for all they did. So good. Woo. All right. Well, um, if you're not in Kansas City and you're watching online, I just have one message for you. Here in Kansas City, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas. Come on. Everybody enjoying that snow? We had like two inches of snow. It's so great. Anybody have a hard time getting out of your driveway up the hill? Nobody? I guess that was just me and my son. We live on this huge hill, and uh, he took his car out to try to get up the hill, and uh, he made it about five feet, and then his car started sliding down. And so we left it on the side of the road and took my car, and we barely made it out of our house. But we're here. We're here. We're here. Hey, but I want you to know, there are some folks in this church that will remain nameless. They, they drove 35 minutes to get to church today. Wow. Like, coming from a long way. I see you guys back there. Uh, anyway, so glad you guys are here today. Uh, we are starting a brand new series called Radiant Christmas. Can you guys say Radiant? Radiant. We're not going to talk about Christmas this morning, but we're going to talk about the idea of being radiant. What does it mean to be radiant? And uh, so would you mind just uh, bowing your head in prayer this morning as we open up God's Word? Father, we thank you so much uh, for the beautiful snow here in Kansas City. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace. Uh, Lord, I thank you that your faithfulness is new every single morning. And Lord, I pray for those that are here in our church and those that are watching online. Uh, Lord, may they encounter your presence today. Uh, Lord, what was sung and spoken in our worship service, Lord, that you're more than able, that nothing is too difficult for you. Lord, may that resonate in our hearts today. And Father, I pray that as we open up your word that you would speak to us, Lord, that we wouldn't just be passive listeners, but Lord, we'd be active in our listening skills. Lord, not just to what I say, but Lord, more importantly, what your Holy Spirit is speaking to us today. May we have ears to hear and eyes to see this morning. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that, say amen. 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 All right. Well, we're going to open up in Scripture this morning. And I'm going to read um, out of Exodus chapter 3. And if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn there if you're watching online as well. Get your Bibles out. We're going to stay in Exodus this morning. We're going to talk about, again, the theme here is a radiant Christmas. We're going to talk about what it means to be radiant. And we're going to look here in Exodus chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. So Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. It says this, uh, that one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it did not burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. 
When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses, here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Just to give you a little background of who Moses was in this story as we have a little bit of context. Moses, is at this point, he's 80 years old. Uh, he was born into a Jewish household. And at a very, very young age, he was adopted into an Egyptian family. Actually, one of the wealthiest families on planet Earth at that point in time. I mean, super, super wealthy. So he was born in a Jewish family, had come into great wealth in an Egyptian family. And then, as he was trying to reconnect with his people... He saw that his own people were enslaved, and so he saw one of his Jewish brothers being mistreated, and he went and actually murdered the Egyptian that was being cruel to his quote-unquote brother. And when Pharaoh heard about it, he wanted Moses' life. And so Moses fled for his life and went into the wilderness outside of Pharaoh's domain, and there he met some Midianites and began to live with them. So here's Moses, again, just trying to set the context of what we're reading this morning. Moses is 80 years old. He's experienced growing up in a household of, of, of slaves and then being born and, and, and being adopted into the, an Egyptian family with tons and tons of wealth, uh, being, being uh, able to experience all of the wealth of the Egyptians, all of the wisdom of the Egyptians, and then fleeing for his life, and then finding himself in, in the land of Midian. And the Midianites, again, were, were a kind of a nomadic people, and they lived in the wilderness, and he ended up marrying uh, a Midianite. And so here we find Moses at 80 years old, who really is having an identity crisis. As we look in the context of the passage, I want you to kind of look at it. It, it says in verse 1 that one day Moses was tending the flock of his father-in-law, Jethro. Verse 1. He didn't even have his own flock. He didn't have his own sheep. He's 80 years old. He doesn't have his own sheep. He's wandering around as a shepherd. Remember, he grew up in wealth and power and prestige. He grew up knowing all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And now he finds himself in a barren wilderness on the backside of a mountain, tending someone else's sheep. He has nothing. I, I can't imagine kind of the crisis that he's going through. And then... In one moment, his life changes. Like, there's this bush, 
it's on fire, and then the angel of the Lord, in other words, God speaks through this bush, and all in a second, his life is completely and totally changed. I was trying to think about Moses and the idea of identity crisis. About not having anything. And all of the feelings that he must have been going through as he's wandering as a shepherd all along the mountainside. Thinking about his life and what could have been and what should have been and what might have been if he had not kind of stepped into a place that probably he's thinking he shouldn't have done, and all of those missed opportunities that he had. And I was thinking about, like, some of you, and maybe some of the decisions that you've made yourself. As you think about your own life, maybe the heartache and the heartbreak that you're experiencing now, maybe, maybe issues of things that you've said to a boss that you wish you didn't say, maybe getting fired, maybe a relationship that ruptured or broke was broken because of something that you did or something they did, and now you find yourself in a place that really you don't want to be, but you're there nonetheless. I mean, this is, this is where Moses is. And as Moses comes over to this burning bush, I find two interesting things that I want to develop this morning. And the first thing is that God speaks to Moses and he says to him, take off your shoe. Take off your shoe. Now, there's a lot of commentary about what exactly God was asking Moses to do and what the meaning was behind that. I mean, there's a lot of theories, and honestly, we don't really know. We can conjecture, but we don't know. I mean, obviously, we know from the text, God says, the, the ground on which you stand is holy, but, like, why take off the shoe? And there's lots of opinion about that. Some of the opinions are this, that uh, Moses taking off his shoe is a, is a way of, like, uh, being holy to the Lord and being clean to the Lord. The, the shoe was a dirty thing that stepped on animal dung and, and just all of the desert stuff. And, and so taking off a shoe was a way of cleansing himself, a way of removing the dirt from himself. And so he was taking off his shoes to stand on a holy ground because he was talking with a holy God. Uh, another, um, another commentator says that in the Middle East that, that it was a way of relinquishing the ground, that if you took off your shoe that you were saying that the ground that you stepped on did not belong to you, it belonged to someone else. In other words, Moses was saying by taking off his shoe that, hey God, this, this all belongs to you. And then uh, other commentators, probably you've heard this before, they, they say that it was a sign of respect. It's, it's much like us in the West when, like, you know, you come into a building and you, you take off your hat. It's a, it's a way of showing respect. It's a sign of respect, a, a way of, like, honoring those in which that you're coming into. And Moses honoring God by removing his shoes and recognizing that the place where he is is holy. Whatever it may be, Moses, again, we read through the text, it doesn't say that he took off his shoe, but we presume that he takes off his shoes. And, and the way I look at it is maybe another different angle, and that is that Moses is basically, as he's taking off his shoe, he's saying, God, you are God, you are holy, and I'm not. And I recognize your holiness, and I recognize that I've got a lot 
of hang-ups. God, if I could put it this way, it's almost like, God, I've got a lot of hang-ups and you're holy. I've got a lot of failures and I'm not worthy to even be in your presence. Moses, I think, begins to have a conversation in his head. Again, I'm reading between the lines of the text here, but, but I think I can make an argument for it. That God is saying to him, I want you to take off your shoes. I, I want you to, to it, we could put it this way, I want you to clean yourself up. I want you to recognize that you're not holy, that I am. I want you to submit yourself to me. This is, these are the things that maybe God is saying through this moment. And what I find interesting is that God told Moses to take his shoes off and not hide his face. If, if we look in the text, I want, you, I want you to look at this. It says here in verse number 6, God says, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. Now, there's a lot of ways in which we can look at this as well. Uh, he was afraid to look at God. Why was he afraid to look at God? Well, because there was a bush that was on fire and there was a voice coming out of the bush. I might be a little bit afraid and want to cover my face too. Uh, it was a sign of respect as well. Like he couldn't look at the face of God. I understand that as well. But I think there's something more complex going on here in the passage that I'm going to pull out later on down the road, but right now I want to focus on this idea that when he covers his face in the complexity of this is that he didn't want to look at God, but I think that there was something going on in the inside of his heart, and he was afraid to look at God because he was filled with shame for where his life was at this moment at 80 years old. That he was living a life of shame, wandering around the wilderness, guarding some sheep that didn't belong to him, fleeing for his life from Pharaoh because he knew that he had killed someone, and he had all these tremendous opportunities, and yet, in that moment, here he is with no one and nothing all by himself. He's hiding his face from God because he's filled with shame. And I think that's sometimes how we react when God wants to chase us, when God wants to have relationship with us, that he wants us to take off our shoes, but he doesn't want us to hide our face from him. That God, God is chasing after, we sang the, the words of that song today, that, that God is, his goodness is chasing after you. But it's oftentimes that fear and shame, they lead us to hide, to hide from God, to not want to be with God. Fear and shame are powerful motivators in our life that make us want to hide away from God so that we don't look at him. As we think about scripture, uh, Adam and Eve, when they first sinned, they hid themselves away from God. They, they tried to run away. They're hiding from God. They, they don't want to be exposed. They don't want their sin to be exposed to a holy God. And fear and shame lead us oftentimes to, to hide. And this is where Moses is. He's suffering an identity crisis. Moses doesn't know who he is. 
and at the burning bush, God's trying to do something in his life. God wants Moses to know who he is because Moses has forgotten who he is. God says this, God says, he says, I'm the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. In other words, God's telling Moses that you're, that you're part of a covenant people. That you have a rich family heritage. I wonder if there are some of you here today that don't really know who you are. Like, like you don't. Like really, as you kind of contemplate in the quietness of your heart like you're like i don't i don't know how i got to where i am. i don't i don't really know who i am am i this or am i that like for moses he was like am i jewish am i egyptian am i midianite am i some shepherd who who am i some of you might feel like am i am i a, am I a dad am i a son am i am i a wife or a mother or a daughter am i am I a housewife am i a, a student am i like, like who? Like, who am I? And how, how did I get here? Some of you might just be like Moses, like you're, you're struggling with some mistakes that you've made. Like, I'm trying to bring you into the text. Like, 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 you might feel like Moses, like I've done something that I've gone too far. I've gone over a line that is just too far. I can only imagine that Moses is thinking, like, I, I killed a man. Like, I'm not coming back from that. Like, there's no way that God's going to be able to use me. I, I just wonder, as I was praying over this message and for you this week, I wonder if there's some of you here today that, like, you feel like you've made some mistakes that you can't come back from. Or maybe you're in a place right now where you feel like you don't have anything of your own. Like you're watching someone else's sheep, so to speak. Like, like you don't have anything to show for your life and where it is right now. So it's easy to hide your face when God comes looking for you. But what I love about this passage is that God is seeking after Moses on the backside of a mountain. And I, and I want you to know today that you being here or you watching online, it's not an accident. And I mean this in the most prophetic sense today. Like there are some here today, I believe in, some of you that are watching online, that God is chasing after you today. Like in this moment, he wants to have relationship with you in a way in which you haven't experienced thus far. And God is chasing after you. It's like you, you don't see the burning bush, but I'm guaranteeing you that God wants to have intimate fellowship with you. There's some of you here, like, again, it's not an act. You're here. It's not an accident. God wants to have a walk, a relationship. He wants to be with you. And you need to step out of the fear and the shame and recognize that God has everything that you need. As we, can, we continue, I, 
I'm thinking about another encounter that Moses has. We're going to move from the burning bush now to a, another place that Moses experiences something really powerful with God. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that intimacy with God brings transformation. Moses was suffering an identity crisis, and he needed a transformation. He needed something to take place in his life. He needed the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to change his life. And you need the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to change your life as well. And the only way your life is going to be changed is through intimacy with God because he alone can bring transformation. It says this in Exodus chapter 33. Now Moses isn't on the backside of a mountain. He's seen the power of God. He's, he's gone back to the Israelites. He's spoken to Pharaoh. They've seen the ten plagues. They've now come through the Red Sea, and now they're in the middle of the wilderness. And it says this, that inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one who speaks to a friend. Oh, I love that. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. I could put it this way. Moses was rejected by the Hebrews and Egyptians, but he found his true home with God. You, you may be rejected by all kinds of people. Maybe it's at work or school or whatever it is. But I want you to know that you will find your real home with God. Because he'll tell you who you really are. He'll take you out of the identity crisis that you might be facing, the fear and the shame that you have. Only God himself can remove the fear and the shame that you might be experiencing right now. And Moses experienced the power of God by an encounter with God, not just at the burning bush, but at Mount Sinai. And, and, and this is what we see, that, that God invites Moses to come up to Mount Sinai and have a conversation with him. It's almost as we see in Psalm 27, there's a verse here that I think is so applicable to this point right here. It says this, God says, you've said, seek my face. This is David talking and he's saying, God, this is what you said. You said, seek my face. And then David says, my heart says to you, your face, Lord, I seek. Moses, from the burning bush to Mount Sinai, to the mountain of the Lord, God invites Moses to come up to the top of Mount Sinai to talk with him. It's the same mountain where the burning bush was. God brings Moses back to the same mountain where Moses is hiding his face and now... He's being invited to come up to Mount Sinai, and God says, I want to speak with you face to face. We see this in Exodus chapter 34. It says that when Moses came down Mount Sinai, carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, Moses wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. So when Aaron and the people of Israel saw the radiance of Moses' face, they were afraid to come near him. Well, we, we see the same thing. They're responding in fear and being afraid just like Moses had years before. But God was calling Moses to have relationship 
with him on Mount Sinai to talk to Moses face to face. And if I could say it this way, church, what God did for Moses is what God wants to do for you. He doesn't want you to hide your face. He wants to speak face to face to you. He wants to talk to you like a friend. He wants to have a relationship with you. I was writing out my notes this week. And a phrase that was so simple just came to my mind, but I believe it's prophetic for someone here today, and that is this, that God wants to be your friend. God wants to be your friend. He doesn't want you to be afraid of him. He wants to be your friend. He wants to talk to you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to love you. He wants to put his arms around you. He wants to encourage you. He wants to remove your shame and the anger and the fear and the frustration and the worry and the doubt and the overwhelming sense of panic sometimes that some of you get. God wants to remove that from you and he wants to speak to you face to face because he loves you so much. So the question that I have for you today is simply this. Do you have a bush mindset or do you have a mountain mindset? The bush mindset says this. The bush mindset says that I'm not worthy. I'm filled with fear. God, I can't even look at you. And a mountain mindset says God is calling me upward. He's calling me up to the mountain to have a conversation with him. He's calling me up to the mountain to be a friend of God. And I'm telling you that your mindset is critical. And that the reason why we can have a mountain mindset is because Jesus Christ paid the penalty for our sin. He died so that you don't have to experience shame. Where no one else could come up to the mountain, right? No one else could come up to the mountain at that point. But now God made a way for all of us to go up to the mountain and have face-to-face -face conversation with God because of Jesus Christ, because he died and bore your sin and my sin on the cross for us. Now you can clap because that's worthy of something. That's, that's awesome. Like That's what he wants for you. Moses' face radiated with the glory of God as he had a conversation with him. Moses experienced something that no one else in the Old Testament experienced. It says this in Deuteronomy chapter 34. It says, There has never been another prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And keep that on there just for a second because it's a twist in words. Not only did God, well, I could put it this way. Not only did Moses know God, but now God knew Moses. And he knew him face to face. There's a friendship, there's an intimacy, there's a conversation, there's a friendship. There's, it's a completely different relationship than anybody else in the Old Testament ever had. Before, before Moses passes away, before he dies at 120 years old, God commands Moses to do something. And it's found in Numbers chapter 6. 
And it says this, The Lord said to Moses, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and to be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. And then God says, so they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. Oh, this is, this, this is like powerful. This, let, let's look at this again. This is how you are to bless the Israelites. This is God speaking. This is how you're to bless the Israelites. Say to them, this is what they're supposed to say to the people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you. In other words, what God is trying to say is, Moses, what you experienced, I want all the people to experience. I want them to have a relationship with me. I want, I want them to experience a face-to-face -face encounter with me. I want them to experience my favor and my joy and my peace. And, 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 I'll, and I'll say this, like, I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I want to be known as a blessing preacher. That, that God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. He wants to shine his face upon you. In other words, he wants to turn his face towards you. And when God looks at you, you can't help but be blessed. There, that like his joy radiates. His peace radiates to us. He comforts us. He surrounds us. He protects us. He keeps us. He loves us. His banner over us, Scripture says, is love. All of these things God wants to pour out to you. And so God here is telling the priests to lift up their hands, to bless the people, to say, may his face shine upon you and may his countenance shine upon you as well. That when God's favor comes into your life, nothing and no one can stand against you. All the fear, all the doubt, all the worry, all the shame, all that's gone. He's looking after you. He wants you to experience peace and joy and blessing. doesn't mean that you're going to be rich and have every single thing that you want, but you're going to have things that money can't buy, things that this world can't hide, have. Right, peace in your heart, joy, even in the midst of difficulty. And then, this, this is just the beginning of what God wants to do. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, as we move our way into the New Testament, I'm going to kind of close with this. But Paul, he's speaking and he says, Whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. For the Lord is the Spirit, and wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed, can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. For all of us that have had that, that veil removed, in other words, Moses had a veil that was put over his face because the people were so afraid. And Paul says that we're like those who've had the veil removed. Like we're staring at the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that it, it, it changes us and we begin to reflect God's glory through Jesus Christ. And so in verse 18, he says, that all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. 
In other words, God's plan for you is not that you just shine his face, reflect the glory of his face, but that your whole body becomes like God's. Like you become like his glorious presence. The, the scripture there, that verse, it says that we're to move from glory to glory to glory to glory. And God wants you to change from the inside out so that wherever we go, we reflect the glory and the beauty of God so that as we come into contact with the world, that they would encounter the beauty of Christ. I wonder this morning if we can kind of close our eyes and get in a place in your own heart, in your own spirit, where you're asking yourself the question, do I have a, a bush mindset that's afraid of God? Or do I have a mountain mindset where I know I'm being called upward to have a relationship with God, to talk with Him, to interact with Him, to hear His voice, And I'll start with those as you keep your eyes closed, your head bowed. Maybe you can just begin to, to pray in your own heart and your spirit. But I want to talk to those that maybe feel like you have that bush mentality where you're still, you've got some fear and some shame, some doubt. You've done some things that you feel like maybe you've crossed a line that's too far. I want to encourage you this morning that you would simply ask Jesus Christ to come into your life and you're going to remove your sandals, so to speak. You're going to say, God, I want to be holy like you're holy. And the only way that I can do that is by accepting Jesus Christ and asking his blood to cleanse me. And so, Lord, I pray for those that have a like that bush mindset, Lord, I pray, Lord, that if they've never invited you into their heart, Lord, I pray today that you would come into their life and be their friend. Lord, that they would take off their shoes, Lord, they would turn from their sin, turn from those things that are not right, and Lord, they would follow you. Jesus, I thank you that you died on the cross for them. And that now, right now, Lord, as they receive you and your blood into their life, Lord, they don't have to be afraid. Lord, that you would remove the shame and the guilt and the sin. And Lord, they would have a change of mindset. And then, Lord, I pray for those this morning. Lord, they've already committed their lives to Christ and Lord, they know they've got this mountain mindset. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that they'd have a deeper, richer walk with you. Lord, I pray that those that maybe have never heard your voice, Lord, I pray this week that you would speak to them, that you would whisper to them, that you would give them loud thoughts to hear what it is that you're speaking to them. Lord, may friendship deepen this week. Lord, as they open up your word and read, Lord, even in little bits of time, Lord, each day, Lord, I pray that they would encounter your presence, that they would seek your face, and Lord, that they would experience your beauty and your glory. Lord, call them upwards towards Mount Sinai.
Lord, to encounter your presence. Lord, bless them, I pray in Jesus' name. If you agree with that, say amen and amen. Hey, would you mind standing with me this morning? I want to thank you guys so much for coming out. I'm going to bless you here in a second. But I don't want you to forget we're doing our food drive. And if you could take the little sheet out in front of you, it gives you all the information about that. They'll have some information in the lobby as well. Also, if you're new to Cross Points, you'd like to learn a little bit more about who we are as a church. Um, there's a 30-minute uh, class that we have. We have some food back there as well. Uh, it's a class that lets you know a little bit more of who we are as a church. I'll be back there and I'll greet you as well. Um, but I want to bless you. And I'm going to bless you with the, uh, what they call the ironic blessing. And uh, if you wouldn't mind lifting your hands, it's a way of receiving this blessing. I want to actually read it over you this morning. It says, Lord, I pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you, that the Lord would make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would turn his face towards you and give you his peace in the name of Jesus. And everybody that wanted that said, amen. Amen. God bless you. Go in peace.